And everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I don't think it's warmed up enough yet, has it? It's a little cool, just like I like it. Amen. One of these days, maybe 2021 will be a different year. Maybe a rapture time. Amen. We'll all go home and live in a realm where there's no COVID. No kidney problem, back problem, heart problem, eye problem, knee problem, arthritis problem, devil problem, or no problem. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Free from problems. But we actually, if we understood it and confessed it, we are already free from problems. Amen. We stand in the presence of Almighty God. We have always taught here just a little bit. Uh, We teach a subject. We add to it. We add to it until... Uh, We run out of where we can go. We stop there, start another subject until that subject brings us back to the other subject, and then that subject goes forward until we can finally understand. I'll have to be the first one to admit this morning that basically I struggled this week, and uh, not on last week's subject. That's an easy subject for me. We've preached that for years. But this subject here, justification by faith alone, uh, I admit that I'm struggling with it because of how the prophet preached it and according to how the scripture has it laid out. Our ear is tuned to hearing the prophet preach and basically studying the church age book and different things, you get a different view on the subject of justification than what is actually meant or what was actually brought out that we don't understand. Uh, we find basically justification by faith alone. The title itself has opposition against it. When you use the word justification in a Pentecostal realm, most people think it's about a Baptist. Come on. Because they feel like they're justified. They're, uh, they're free. and They can do anything they want to. They have no standards. There's no holiness. I've got eternal security by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we always put that down like, well... They're just for, maybe they're forgiven or maybe they're not anything, but justification doesn't have it. It's hard for people to believe in a God that justifies, especially justifies the ungodly and justifies those that absolutely rebel against the God or the justifier. It's easy for people to believe in a law-giving God and keeping a law to satisfy God. And it's been in the message since I've been in the struggle, and it has for 2,000 years as far as I can study church history. It's always been a struggle between law and grace. Grace says I can do anything I want to the way it's preached. Law says I've got to do everything that I can to be and stay saved, and if I skip a beat, I'm lost. And therefore, you find that those that live under legalism are keeping certain rules and regulations are always under condemnation. They can never arrive at basically their peace with God. They never arrive with their understanding of who they are as sons and daughters of God, basically standing free from sin in the presence of God with basically your confession and your authority the same as Jesus Christ. It's just almost impossible for us to see So the subject of justification is basically looked upon as destitute of any righteousness. In other words, there's no holiness there. You have Wesley that come out with the basically the Nazarenes and whatever more, the Pentecostal legalists, 
And basically, I was one of the most legalistic persons in the message until I understood the truth of the message. And that you're saved by grace and grace alone. Justification by faith, if you just examine the title. What does justification mean? Let's just put it simply as Brother Brandon puts it. It means that you're placed before God as though you never sinned in the first place. You're absolutely sinless. You never, it's not even laid to your charge. Blessed be the man to whom God does not even impute sin. Now that takes a special revelation because David was a rascal. He liked women. Had a man killed, took his wife. Everything else, Moses was a lawgiver, but he killed a couple of guys and Got in trouble. So none of these men that we find so holy in the eyes of God, they're not really as holy as we thought they was. But David was a man after God's own heart. Amen. Amen. Moses was a lawgiver, and he walked in the presence of God, and one of the few that walked, talked with God face to face. So there has to be a revelation of God that we're looking at. Justification means you are right before Almighty God. You are righteous. In other words, there's nothing laid to your charge. Matter of fact, if you understand the revelation, you are sinless before God. All right, if justification has no righteousness in yourself, then basically it has to be imputed for you. No man is righteous in himself. So it has to be imputed or counted to you or given to you free of charge. So any effort you lay to that, it's not considered grace. It's considered a debt. God owes you something. So what we're looking at is, even in this message today, justification is looked at as only a step towards a person's salvation. If you read any sermon at all, after, after the seals in the church age, Brother Bam went over and over and over. You remember that? Luther preached justification. Wesley preached sanctification. Then the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then the Word. Over and over. Luther justification. Wesley sanctification. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the Word. He typed it in every way. When you fit, that's repentance. When you've washed up by the blood, that's sanctification. Receive the Holy Ghost. Now you're in the midst. Every way he stepped it as four steps to an end product. Was it four steps? And I'm struggling with it, and like, oh, I haven't got it clear yet to blend the two together for a perfect picture that I can explain it to you. But there's a revelation in justification that we haven't quite seen it clear yet. Because according to Scripture, the Apostle Paul teaches that justification is the final step of perfection before the resurrection and the rapture. Because it takes a union with God to be justified or righteous. Therefore, if Luther preached justification by faith, and you leave it as justification by faith, not just forgiveness of sins, and that's the way they teach it, then he was joined to God or made one with God that each one of us are by seeing justification by faith. You're one with God. If you're one with God, you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost because no one outside the Holy Ghost can be baptized into the body of Christ. 
So justification, as far as Paul was concerned, it would be just like me preaching that you have to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be saved. So terminology has got us in these four steps. Now, there's not a person in this building that can walk themselves through the four steps and say that you have arrived to word or to be righteous. That means you have to remember when uh, you repented and God justified you. Uh, then you went to the water uh, as a confirmation and faith in the blood. Then basically you basically had to get rid of all your clothes and habits and drinking and smoking and cussing and chewing and lusting after women, which basically it takes a lifetime to do before you can receive the Holy Ghost. And now after you receive the Holy Ghost, now you're able to understand the Word. Well, that's about a lifetime process and very few attain it. I read in the Bible where they basically was baptized, a 20-minute sermon. They said, Amen. They received the Holy Ghost, was baptized, and added to the church. So where is this 20 minutes process that's taken the message people 50 years to filter themselves through this thinking man's filter to come to a little bit of hope or concern that we are saved, we are justified, and we are the righteousness of God? Very few. Now, I preach the legal side of it because everything was trying to sanctify the people. It's a convention year after year after year. They'd go through their list. And by the time they got through the list, I was bored. I remember when I first went to Hardy one time down there, John Martin preaching. And he had a list. Basically, you're not born again if you smoke. You're not born again if you wear a pink shirt. You're not born again. He went down the list. And after about 25 items, I said, I can go home and listen to a tape. I just got up and the deacon said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home and listening to a tape. These people are not born again. I've already received the Holy Ghost, so this sermon is not for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I said, this congregation not born again. You're under a bunch of legalism. Every one of your sinners, according to your preacher up there, I'm going to go home and listen to a tape so God can tell me what I am instead of what I'm not. So that's what we're looking at. So I believe that justification we're going to find is basically the end product of the revelation given to the Apostle Paul. In other words, his revelation carries all the way through the statue of a perfect man, all the way to the capstone, where basically his revelation becomes the end time revelation to make the whole body fit. That means understanding what I'm saying. Brother Branham, I believe, come to that understanding after the seals open because in invisible union, he preached justification just exactly like Paul preached it. He didn't carry it through stages. He said, this is my Thanksgiving message to you. You stand absolutely sinless, blameless before Almighty God. Listen, church, I'm telling you where you're standing before God. You're standing completely justified as though you never sinned in the first place. Now, that's how Paul taught it. The mystery of it is how we're going to blend this teaching all the way up until it becomes a revelation about the end time message now. So what I'm looking at is basically, it seems to be, justification seems to be to me, 
I'll put it that way. As the end product of the indwelling spirit necessary to absolutely place us in the tabernacles or place us as sons and daughters of God. And me following now. Justification by faith. In other words, what I'm saying is this. If you break the title down. Your righteousness comes to you by a revelation plus nothing. Every member of the body of Christ is born into the body of Christ by a revelation of the word. Nothing you do, rituals or your love of God, you can keep the laws of Christ as best you can. None of that basically puts you in the body of Christ. That would be an effect upon you and your love for the Word of God and your appreciation for what God done for you that we look at as works or conduct. And all of us has got room to go in that. Brother Bam said it was only under one law, and that's the law of Christ. When I put in your message, the law of Christ is almost impossible for an individual to fulfill. Now, we can fulfill a portion of it, and every one of us fulfills our measure. That's like I told my wife this morning. We get so accustomed of seeing Christ in people that we don't recognize Christ in people. People come to church, they pay their tithes, they listen to the Scripture, they read, they do the what more, and we see that as basically oblig, uh, obligations or they just need to do that because they're Christian. No, that's the, that's the law of Christ in a person. It takes the law of Christ in an individual to basically come to the house of God and worship. It takes a law in you to come to pay your tithes when you need the money for something else. It comes to listen to the Word of God, to say amen to the Word of God, because every time you listen to the Word, it's receiving the Holy Spirit. If I ask anybody, are you full of the Holy Ghost? We're not full of the Holy Ghost because there's portions of the Word that we don't understand yet. Are you baptized with the Holy Ghost? Have you been baptized into the body of Christ? Amen. I believe we're all baptized with the Holy Ghost. We're all born of the Spirit. Now, there's measures and degree of the Spirit that basically He being our teacher, we will grow in the Spirit, which is understanding of the Word, until you recognize who you are, what you are, and cannot be shaken from that foundation. We are now sons and daughters of God. So I believe that we're looking at a revelation, not to begin you as a Baptist justified by faith and do what you want to do, or you're justified by repentance and then you go be, get baptized and hope you get the Holy Ghost. We're looking at an end product of the whole gospel of the Apostle Paul, which to him was given the ministry of glorification. When Paul said they didn't come to perfection, they didn't come to the revelation of justification to its true extent. Because if we manifested a revelation that we are righteous before God... And that is a revelation. You'd be a walking and talking son and daughter of God. If you're the righteousness of God, you have the authority of God. You would be a miniature Jesus Christ in human flesh. So this is what we're looking at. It is a revelation. Now we're teaching it by the letter, but you're not going to actually get it by the letter, which helps our minds to be conformed in a process. But you're going to get it by the hearing of the Word, praying, reading the Scripture for yourself, examining yourself before God, 
taking His Word for it, confessing His Word is true to you, and coming to the understanding that you are a son and daughter of God. When you believe the gospel, or what you're hearing, and words are spirit and life, Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. As His Word goes forth on the day of Pentecost, even Peter's 20-minute sermon, there was ears there that said, and listen. Our ability is to hear the Word. His was to preach the Word. We hear the Word, and those words were spirit and life. That's the reason He said, as many as heard the gospel received the Holy Ghost, and 8,000 was baptized into the body of Christ in one day. What was the Holy Spirit? The Word that they received. Because the Spirit and the Word is absolutely one. We know that the church, we've studied it before on graphs and everything else, that the church from the book of Acts, going to the 15th chapter where Paul goes down to Jerusalem, has he knocked down, drag out with James and Peter and whatever more, and they split. Peter and James went back, uh, went to the law, and uh, Paul here goes to the Gentiles with the gospel of grace, justification by faith alone. They split, and they have two gospels. One gospel is Jesus plus works. The other gospel is Jesus plus nothing. Faith plus works, faith plus nothing. All right? That's what you're looking at. So we understand that the church world never got beyond the Feast of Pentecost or receiving the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost come on the day of Pentecost. That's when the church was birthed. Now remember, the church then is added to, added to, added to, added to, added to by the preaching and the hearing of the Word. Because Jesus, when He left, the Bible tells us, according to the Apostle Paul, that the same one that was here went to the grave, went to the lower regions. That same one ascended up on high, and that same one come back down on the day of Pentecost. You say, oh, that makes one God like your finger. Absolutely. There's only one God like your finger. So that one God was manifested in flesh in His Son. The Son paid the sacrifice. It was accepted by the Father. The sacrifice settled on the mediation seat. God Himself, the Holy Spirit, come back, which is Jesus. The very Spirit in Jesus Christ come back down on the day of Pentecost. And He come down to now enter His church to finish His ministry in spirit. So now then you find people that followed Moses, the prophet. They turned him down and fought against him. After he died, the people said, we follow Moses. Now you come to Jesus. They rejected Jesus when he died. Then based on the day of Pentecost, then they began, well, we're followers of, of, of Jesus. Paul said, no, no, you're not followers of Jesus now. He's moved over here to spirit. How many understands now? So follow the ministration. Everybody is a step behind. Oh, we're of Jesus. Now Paul said, wait a minute. Have you received the Holy Spirit since he come? In other words, there has been a new administration of God. He is not here now in the flesh. He has accomplished that. Now he is here in the Spirit to build a body of believers by the preaching of the gospel or the good news of what he done in the flesh. So now if you're under the Spirit, you have to receive Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit to be in the body of Christ. We walk by the Spirit. We hear by the Spirit. We pray by the Spirit. Everything is done by a spiritual connotation or a spiritual sense. How many is following now? 
Now then we come to a word which is God in a word or prophet form, which that's what we're going to come to. So the church now moved up to Pentecost or receiving the Holy Spirit. But when Paul was given the revelation of the purpose of the Holy Ghost, what the Holy Ghost was given for was to teach you and lead you into all truth. The Comforter was given as a teacher to teach us all things. If I can see the purpose of the Holy Ghost manifested in people's lives, then I can see the evidence of the Holy Ghost. So if the Holy Ghost was come to teach you His plan, and that's to build a church, and it was through seven stages, and what His goal is to bring you to immortality. If the Holy Ghost is a teacher, and I see the understanding in people, then I can see the very purpose of the Holy Ghost manifested in people. Therefore, that is the evidence of the Holy Ghost dwelling in the individual. Are you following me? So those in the message of the hour has basically continually walked through the stages, which is basically the Holy Spirit leading you to perfection, which is true justification. You're standing before God is absolutely perfect without sin. And each step of the way come by a revelation. It come by a message. Luther's message of justification was the baptism of the Holy Ghost to that group of people. Oh, but Brother Branham said he only had it potentially. Well, Brother Branham also said we still have it potentially, meaning we have not been placed and approved as justified sons and daughters of God yet. See, there's part of this that we just don't understand the picture correctly. Now, I'm not telling you I do, but I'm getting closer and closer. And it will come. Because if we keep bouncing against that realm, revelation will come by pressing in, pressing in. It will come to a true teaching, and I pray that each one of us follows it right on in to the understanding. They did not move beyond the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they would not advance further in the teaching of the Word to come to true justification or the state of sinless before God. How many would agree with that? Most people preach justification as forgiveness. We'll get into that, but forgiveness will not get you where you need to be. Forgiveness means you've done something. Somebody forgives you of the debt. you really done the debt. You really owe the debt, but someone paid it for you. But you're, not, you're forgiven, but you're not justified. Brother Brandon went into that in basically marriage and divorce, an invisible union. And most people looked at it, forgiveness, that they're living under forgiveness and constantly go to the altar, constantly go to the altar when there's a revelation now of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the Word. There's a revelation of the bleeding Word. When we say the blood, most people think back to the chemistry. The blood is the Word, which is life. Because Jesus, He could have shed His blood it fell upon those that was beating him. That blood didn't do anybody any good. They had the blood of Jesus all over them. It didn't do nothing in, in them good. But the life in that blood is what we're looking at. And he shed the blood to the point of death. And death was the penalty or the answer for the debt. He had to die. And he died by the shedding of his blood. So when we speak of faith in the blood, we're looking at the death 
the resurrection and what that done for us by the shedding of the blood to the point of death. The penalty is paid and our debt is clear and there's no debt on God's column for us. We are free from debt. Amen. He canceled our debt, nailed it to the cross, and it's over. Now then, we are sons and daughters of God struggling in this world of demonic power, trying to fight through this creeds and dogmas and all this legalism and all this misteaching, trying to get our minds directed to come to a state where we're truly sons and daughters of God and exercise our authority and rights of redemption. That's what we're looking at. We find that the early church... Peter had the keys. We understand that. He used the keys to the Gentiles and then turned on the Gentiles and Paul rebuked him openly. They wasn't all this um, lovey-dovey, sweet, uh, we love everybody, which they did, but, you know, they wasn't everybody just got beautiful in love and more to sweet Jesus and all that. Uh, they was pretty rough. And I've been to some of these lovey-dovey brotherhood preaching uh, convention also. I was at the big one out in Tucson where they had the two souls and the Son of Man uh, ministry from uh, Africa. The guy had his cameras there taking pictures and whatever more. It a knock down drag out. Return ministry. One man got up and read quotes for two and a half hours of the tent. One man got up and read quotes for two and hours of the return ministry. One got up and read quotes about the Son of Man. On and on and on until the preachers I hear us listening. We got so fed up. But the Terry Spurrier raised up and said, when are you idiots going to come to the message? He said, I'm tired of this mess. And everybody said, amen. We're all tired of it. We got invited out to be preached to? I don't think so. But the arrows was there, and they're still in the message. And they get worse all the time. So what the early church, I'll just go Peter and James and some of the other apostles, in other words, they basically believed in a limited atonement. Now, you've heard me preach that over and over and over. A limited atonement means that the blood was not sufficient to make you perfect before God. It was limited in the fact that, that you couldn't eat meat with blood in it. You had to be circumcised to be saved. You had to keep certain ceremonial laws. Uh, there were certain things that you couldn't do. Washing pots and what man. Uh, the holy days that you had to keep. They preached all of that. Faith in Jesus plus those works to be saved and acceptable before God. In other words, they preached a limited atonement. Your prophet plainly brings it out in the church book. I know, the, I know teaching is bored, but it'll set you free if you ever let it go down in your heart. Limited atonement. He said the early church, Peter and him, they never accepted Jesus plus nothing. They never understood that the blood, the atonement, was a perfect sacrifice once and for all. Jesus was the answer for our condition of sin. Adam sold us into sin. Jesus paid the debt and brought us out of sin. He made many righteous. Think about this. The Bible said by one man, many were made sinners. Many were made sinners. We was made sinners by our representation of this one man. He broke the law. 
of reproduction. We can go into Eve. You know what she done? We can go down that line because Eve was considered a foolish virgin. Adam was a wise virgin. Then you had the serpent. You can go through all that teaching. It's there all the way from the garden. They wouldn't accept the word. In other words, they didn't believe. The early church will get back to that. They didn't believe that the blood made them righteous or justified them in the presence of God. There was something had to be added to it. So basically the limited atonement, meaning that faith is not enough to make one perfect. They needed certain rituals, which we'll get into in our study because I want to look at, uh, into the book of Galatians a little bit in this study because that's the book that absolutely separates the true and the false. I was always a student of, not a student, but I liked Luther's teaching because he was, a, he was a scholar in the Word of God. He struggled, but he finally come to the understanding of righteousness or justification by faith, and that's where the church began its reformation and began to come back in reformation, restoration. Now we come back to the full Word. But Luther struggled with this works gospel until the book of Galatians. Brother Branham said he preached four years in the book of Galatians. I'd like to hear those sermons. Now, that's a long time. I don't think I can stretch it out four years in the book because I'm, uh, I'm just not that intellectual or that inspired either one. So what we want to do is, the best of our ability, we want to look at Paul's teaching and understand where the seed of error come to that's still in the church world. Also, I want you to consider, and we look at this, Paul and the law, and remember Brother Branham said, I preach what Paul preached, so the first and the last is the same. What Paul went through separating the Jews from the law, and then his gospel to separate the Jewish believers who kept the law, is the same thing that Brother Brandon went through to the Pentecostal legalists. He went through the same conventions. He went through the same era. He went through the same rejection. Everything was repeated. What Paul went through, Brother Brandon went through the same thing. Paul had an affliction in the flesh. Brother Brandon had an affliction in the flesh. So the first and the last, you're looking at the same picture. What happened in Alpha happens in Omega. So we can look at the product. When I say from law to grace, many people say, uh, all right, from Pentecostal legalist to the message of the hour. This message separated us and called us out of organized religion or organized legalism called Pentecostal followers. Brother Brandon, one among the one is Pentecostals, which he said he disagreed with their teaching. He wanted to, and among the Trinitarian Pentecostals, which he disagreed with their teaching. So finally, he said, come out of her, my people. That's the same thing as Paul said, you've got to come out of law. Brother Branham said, if you mix anything with this message, then you're right back into Pentecost. He said, don't bring any of that teaching over here in this message. Paul said, you can't bring any of those things over here in my revelation. They won't fit. So what you're looking at is basically Paul's revelation brought to us in this hour to deliver us from the spirit of error that was the same as in the believers 
Jewish believers, Peter and James, which was absolutely legalist believers in Jesus. They were apostles. You can't get much closer than that. The same as people was with Brother Branham, and those that were around him, we found out, become the most legalistic, dictatorial, dominating ministries that we see anywhere else. So somewhere, they didn't get the revelation. They didn't get Paul's revelation. We know that because we're still here. The people has not got William Brown's revelation because we're still here. You say, well, I don't think any of us can fulfill the law that Brother Brown preached. Did he preach law? If he did, Paul preached a curse on him. Now, he either lied or he told the truth. He said, I preach what Paul preached. So if I go back to the foundation of what Paul preached, then I ought to be able to tie together what has been revealed in this hour. Now, I always address the issue, and we'll get to that. If Paul is a foundation, and I can read you quotes by the hundreds, he cursed anybody that didn't agree with his gospel. All right. He said, let any man that says anything different what I preach, let him be a curse. All right. Then what condition are we in when we say, I don't believe this anymore. I'm going to take a spoken word book. This is my, thus saith the Lord. This is my absolute. I'm going to take what the prophet said. And I don't have the Bible because you've had the Bible 2,000 years. You don't understand it. So we're going to take our prophet's word for it. Now, we call those the most dedicated or the most legalists. I say they are the farthest off of the word, period. You said they're so holy. Are they holy or unholy? What is holiness? Being one with the Word. Having a revelation is holiness. Amen. So what we want to do is look at perfection. Paul said they hadn't come to perfection yet. Brother Branham said we hadn't come to perfection yet. But he said his message would bring us to perfection. So let's look at it. In Galatians 3.2, I'm going to just give you a few verses, then we'll go over here and we'll read the book, uh, our text and get started. In Galatians 3.2, Paul says, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law. How many in here has wondered whether you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost or not? Everybody has wondered that sooner or later. Sometimes I wonder whether I'm even saved or not sometimes. You get to studying the Word, you think, your mind goes blank. You say, I preached for years, I, can't even, I don't even know what I've ever said. You can get anointed, you can't remember nothing. Then you pray and pray and pray. Well, what is this? What more? What more? And the devil said, "Well, you can't call. If you just call, you ought to have you ought to have plenty to say." Then I read through two hundred of my notes and fifty of the sermons that I preached, and they don't seem to. They sound. I said, "What? Did I even thought that was any good for." And then on Sunday morning, you end up with something, hoping it's of God. Amen. Now, them preachers out there that say they don't do that, they're liars, or something's wrong with with me, real bad. This only what I learned of you. Receive you the Spirit by the works of the law. 
Hemi would understand that you must have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be in the body of Christ. Hemi knows that. Pentecost calls it the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Most of us living now in this period of time have not experienced the Pentecostal experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I received an experience that I thought was it, that they said was it, but I come to find out when I examined it, it wasn't it. It was an experience, but that's what it was. Because the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes by a revelation. So Pentecost went wild with the feeling, the manifestation. They rejected what he was here for, and that was to teach them the things of God to bring you to who you are, what you are, and bring you to immortality. The Holy Spirit is here among us now in the form of a pillar of fire. He's already went through a prophet to preach to us the words of life to bring us to immortality. We're absolutely preaching the gospel of immortality. People has to receive that, which is receiving the Spirit of God for this hour. Our baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is our understanding of our portion of the Word, and what we're here to do, has no sensation to it at all. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. And no one can tell what you're learning and not learning, except you and God Himself. You can say, oh, I, uh, you can sit there and shake your head, what more? And just be nodding off to sleep. You're not getting nothing out of it. And something sitting there saying, and they're hearing every word you're saying. It's an inside teacher. And what is the Holy Ghost? If you got the Holy Ghost, what is the Holy Ghost inside of you doing? It's teaching you. It's opening your mind to give you understanding of the Word of God. Well, my Holy Ghost makes me pray out more. No, 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 no. The Holy Ghost today. For this hour, this portion of the body is bringing you a revelation of his own mind. He's bringing you a knowledge of what he has done to seal this whole body off by the revelation of justification. You are perfect in my presence now. That's what we're looking at. So he said, now, have you received the spirit by the works of the law? So Paul tells you here how to, how, to, how to receive the Holy Ghost. By the hearing of faith. What does he mean, hearing of faith? I thought faith was the subject of the thing hoped for and evidence of the thing not seen. Faith is what the messenger Paul was bringing out about the purpose and will of Almighty God. It was what he was ministering to them. The truths of God. God's will. He was absolutely preaching to them the predestinated salvation of their hope and their calling. Glory to God. That ought to make a Baptist shout. It will if a Baptist ever hears it right. By the hearing of faith, when you listen to Brother Brown preach a message, and most people like to hear them before the seals, 
Why? Because it's discernment, it's shouting, it's hallelujah, glory to God. Everybody's with it, waiting for the prayer line. People's getting healed and they're rejoicing. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. But after the seal's open, they play tapes in churches, but they don't play many over here where you understand what the will of God is. What about marriage and divorce? What about invisible union? What about future home? What about Feast of the Trumpets? What about God's only provided place of worship? What about the mighty God unveiled? What about the restoration of the bride tree? Oh, that's bored. Oh, that's teaching. Oh, I can't hardly get to. Oh, I won't go over here and show. See, you're still Pentecost. You're still in that measure of the word which is now dead. Brother Van said it had wiggle worms in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's dead. Don't bring that over into this. This is a revelation of you. Our part of the body. Our call. Our baptism into the body to make up the complete sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Galatians 3.3. 3, watch. Are you so foolish? Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Galatian church that he started who received the Holy Ghost under Paul. They were spirit-filled. And all of a sudden, here's these legalists begin to come among them with an armful of quote books. Come on. Lay it out what you got to do and what you got to believe and what you can't do and what you want more because we were with the prophet. We are the ones that really knows what he preaches. And it brings confusion among the people. And most preachers now looks upon our congregation and they look at some of the women. They look at what I preach. They say, that's not a message, church. They don't have deacons standing at four corners knocking people on the head for going to sleep or whatever more. Look at there. I looked on there and somebody was chewing gum. Praise God, that can't be a message, church. I, I, seen a, I seen somebody with a tattoo. Oh, that can't be a message. Church, Lord of God, you, you can't tell me that we're preaching justification. That's Baptist, praise God. He's preaching to foolish virgins. Okay, foolish virgins. We're receiving the word anyway. We're going to make it anyhow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? No one can put you out. Because no one can look at you. As long as you keep your mouth shut, no one can look at you and tell you whether you're seed or non-seed. And most of them can't even talk to you and understand whether you're bride or non-bride. I believe that we can hear somebody preach 30 minutes and tell whether they're in the message or they're out of the message. How can you say that? They're quoting Brother Branham. But where are they quoting him? They're quoting him back here telling you where you're coming up short. I'm telling you what you are. I don't need somebody to tell me how rotten I am. I already know that. Come on, be honest with yourself. I know what goes on up here in this brain. I know what the devil puts up here. I know when I lose my little patience here and lose there. I know that I, my, my flesh is rotten. I don't have nothing. But I got an understanding down in here. 
that I'm a son and daughter of God and that soul has eternal life in it and I don't care what goes out here, I'm saved anyhow. Amen. Praise be to God. Are you foolish enough having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the law? Think about that. If God has already baptized you into the body of Christ, and He did when you repented and was baptized in water, then what are you trying to get saved for? What are you trying to get perfected? Now, don't take me wrong. I'm not saying you can bob your hair and go out here and do all these things. No, no, I'm telling you by revelation... There's an inner law in you that will conform and fulfill the law. And I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about the law of faith. Your confession will be one with the Word of God. And that's what you're judged by or condemned by. Can we dress better? Sure, we can dress better. We can put on toe sacks and we can smear coal on our face. I, I, I really, I like the sisters to dress up, as long as they're modest. Don't look depressed and whatever more. If you dress up, then you don't have to worry about your wife looking at these dressed up floozies that walk down Walmart and whatever more. It's amazing that preachers run off with other women. Their wives are usually dressed up real holy and humble and whatever more. But the ones they run out with is what they're preaching against. Preach it, Brother Gregor. Praise God, you're in good form this morning. I love to be polite. I like to be nice. I want to love everybody. But this mess that we got going on called the gospel and the message is basically unbelievable. Amen. Galatians 3, 5. He, therefore, that ministered to you the Spirit. Now, how did Paul minister to them the Spirit? He preached the word to them. And worketh miracles among you. Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. He brings you the evidence of the Holy Ghost over and over and over again. Galatians 3.14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You're going to receive the promise through a revelation or an understanding of the gospel preached by the apostle Paul. Look, if Brother Branham brought another gospel outside the gospel of Paul, then we're following a cult or we're following a, something else that's going to lead us right into oblivion. You say, well, they don't agree. I think they agree 100%. And the more I study the Apostle Paul, and the more I listen to the message, the more I see that they're preaching exactly the same thing. All right? Now, all right. So let's look just, oh, we'll start our lesson. Let's look about five minutes. Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to do a little study in the book of Galatians. And remember now, I'm using law, which speaks to us as the Pentecostal age that we come out of. Or that we should come out of. We have to be separated from a limited atonement and salvation plus dot, 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 dot. All right.
In Galatians 1, 9, 1, verse 1 to 9, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He tells you right there that his apostleship didn't come by any group or any man, approved by Peter, James, and John, but it come by the approval of the Holy Ghost himself. All right. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. In other words, there are about five or six little groups that he had already started. Watch. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. That shows you that Paul preached the Father and Son relationship, which is basically the understanding of adoption, placing of sons. Well, now, who gave himself for our sins, that we might be delivered, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So that was his little prayer. Now, I marvel. Now, here he starts in. He gets directly to the point. He leaves off his exhortation, his blessing, and his prayer, whatever more than the other letters. He gets right straight to the point because uh, he's got his ruffles up. He's not down to the point, and he's tired of messing with these people. Because he brought them into the gospel, he birthed them into the Word of God, and now these legalists are coming in, bringing in return ministry, two souls. All these false doctrines, he's bringing in and causing disruption in the body of Christ. He said, I marvel that you are so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. If he preaching justification by faith, they must be preaching justification by works. Because they're preaching another gospel. And actually, they were preaching another gospel. Don't get bored with me. I, I'm, trying to, I'm not a teacher, but I try. They were bringing in the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached. Paul's gospel was the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. The gospel of the kingdom was to a nation, Jews only, that promised them that they would be the head, not the tail, that they would take over and rule and reign in the kingdom. They couldn't give two cents for us Gentiles because we didn't have any covenants. We didn't have any blessings. We didn't have a promise of the adoption or the placing of sons into the kingdom of God. We didn't have none of it. We were, we were ungodly and without anything. So we were sinners, pagans, rejects. We were Republicans. We're Walmart goers, Bible toters. We're rejects. When God gets through with the judgment of these stuffed up nose in California and New York and he blows them off the map, I hope we're standing back just a little bit to see the outcome of that. How many get sick and tired of being sick and tired of the devil calling us that we're sick and tired? My mind goes bonkers. I can't see how anybody can be this insane. I just can't understand it. But uh, the, the prophet said they'd go insane. The prophet told us that we're going to do exactly what we do. You're going to vote these communists in. You're going to do this. And uh, everything is just exactly what he told us. But, you know, I don't like it, but it's just exactly like he told us. So. But he said, when that happens, we get out of here. So I like that part of it. Verse 7, which is not another. So Paul is telling you there's not another version. There's not another way to get in than his gospel. 
There's no two ways. There's not Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, what more? All get, no, no, there's not two ways. There's only one way in. There's not two Gospels, three Gospels. It's not this word, that group, this word, that group, what more? There's only one way in. That's Holy Ghost-filled believers. By one spirit are you baptized into one body. Watch. There's not another, he said. But there be some that trouble you. Now, Paul had a master of words. Now, if that had been me, I would have worded it just a little different. And I'm not going to tell you how I would have worded it. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. They're going to try to pervert the gospel of Christ. How are they going to pervert the gospel of Christ? They're going to weaken the blood. They're going to preach a limited atonement. They're going to preach a salvation by faith plus church membership, plus conduct, plus standards, plus, 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 plus. And when they run out of a list and when you think you have fulfilled all of their lists and get a little comfort and basically begin to worship in church thinking I've arrived, I've satisfied the preacher, he will come up with something else to denigrate you and bring you back to the altar one more time. I don't know who all I'm preaching to out there, but this is going somewhere because I think the Holy Ghost likes this. And if the Holy Ghost likes it, most people won't like it, so that's all right with me. Paul was so convinced that his revelation was from God and to him only that he starts this letter out this way. There is not another gospel, but though we, myself, if I get another spirit on you and come and change what I've taught you, are an angel from heaven with wings on or non-wings on. Any earthly messenger, any so-called spiritual or prophet, preach any other gospel. Somebody say amen. Are you still? Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be cursed. And you stand up and tell me that Brother Branham preached a different gospel than Paul. Now we got problems. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached, let him be accursed. I wonder if that statement is only good for that period of time. Surely that doesn't carry over to this one and this one and this one and this one and this one down to us today. Because we got computers, we got educated, we got Bibles, we got this, we got, we, we know a whole lot more than Paul did. And remember, he's a woman hater. How many knows that? Boy, if we could just get rid of First Corinthians there or get rid of Paul, all the women would feel like they belong into the kingdom of God. 
Well, Brother Gregory, if you teach the woman shouldn't cut her hair, that's legalism. No, that wasn't legalism. That's the revelation given to the Apostle Paul of what the law of Christ in you will do if he's dwelling in you. Brother Gregory, are you trying to tell me if I receive the Holy Spirit as far as the gospel, and I really believe it, that there's something in me that will check me or teach me what is right and wrong? Amen. Amen. And that's the only one that can teach you and teach you where you come out balanced. I can stand up here and give you nine commandments of ten rules. And you can fulfill every one of them. That doesn't mean beans to God. Because scriptural obedience is what? You living out a revelation that God has birthed into you that you know pleases God. And that's your desire. Therefore, the law of God, our revelation itself, is what's controlling your life. That's what we're looking at. Brother Bam said seven church age, seven messengers who, who were alike. And Paul pronounced a curse on anyone who said he was a messenger, but had a different gospel and lived in a different light. Seventh exposition, seven church age. It's getting late. Karen, y'all want to come? We'll stop here just a minute. So I put on you, according to the apostle Paul, he was given the true revelation of the gospel to the Gentiles in Ephesians 3.8. He was so convinced of his revelation that he would pronounce a curse on anyone who preached another gospel. Galatians 1.8. Paul calls his gospel the grace of God. Acts 20.24. 20, and Paul speaks forth that his life was the Son of God birthed into him. Nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ who liveth in me. Paul's gospel pertains to Jesus plus nothing. So what we want to do is remind ourselves of the message. And I brought you down to the message of restoration, and we won't get to it in, in this lesson. But we're going to bring you down to the foundation of the church was brought by the Apostle Paul. And I give you the scriptures and the quotes to prove to you that Apostle Paul's foundation can never change. Can never change. So the foundation is faith. Ever age, that foundation cannot change. If you have a revelation of Jesus Christ, this one must have a revelation. This one must have a revelation. Every group is born into the body of Christ by a revelation of hearing the gospel preached in the hour in which you're living. Now I can go back and preach you the gospel that Luther preached to you. It won't do you any good. You say, well, he preached justification by faith, but I can go preach it like Luther preached it, and it won't do you any good. I can preach to you sanctification like Wesley preached it. It won't do you one ounce of good. It'll bounce off of your ears just like bounce it off of a tin roof. I can preach to you the baptism of the Holy Ghost, seven steps of the Holy Ghost, what you must do to get it, repent, and all these steps, and go through seven steps of the Holy Ghost. That will bounce you. Maybe one will try it, but most of you won't even try it. Why? You're not a part of that body. 
You're not a part of that word. That word has been fulfilled in flesh and basically passed away. In other words, it's been fulfilled and now it's moved to a different group of people to cap it off. We're coming to a capstone revelation that you are the righteousness of God plus nothing. And it is by a divine revelation. I cannot give it to you. I can teach it. But only the Holy Spirit. You hearing the word. Believing the word. Receiving the word. Putting that word in your mouth to confirm it to your own soul. Can bring you to where we're talking about. Let me read you a couple of quotes and we'll close if you're not too hard. Watch. This is seven church ages. We are, have been constantly saying that the true evidence of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is for the believer to receive the word for the age in which he lives. Can you say amen to that? Next quote. Make no mistake about it. A person that is truly baptized by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ Receiving the fullness of the Spirit. Now he's talking of us. The fullness of the Spirit. Not Luther and what more. Not even the Pentecostals. Us. Fullness of the Spirit will be in the Word all the way. What Word? Paul's Gospel. You say, is there any plus? Plus the opening of the seven seals that God revealed to us to put everything in order. But you're still not a plus. This is the evidence of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Do you have it or not? Say amen or on me. If you don't have it, you can receive it. He said in 1 Corinthians, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, that's a prophet or someone with the Holy Ghost, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Now he says, now see that the proof of the indwelling spirit was to acknowledge and follow what God's prophet gave for the age as he set the church in order. Receiving the messenger's message is the receiving the Holy Ghost for your hour. You say, Brother Gary, we got 2,000 or 1,100 sermons. How am I ever going to get everything that Brother Branham taught? Receive the word of the hour. God sent you a prophet. He told you who you was. You're sons and daughters of God. He said you stand justified before God. You never sinned in the first place. He has placed you under the Feast of Tabernacles. You're sealed in, period, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. That's where we're at. Let's stand this morning. And... Uh, so I like to look at the book of Galatians a little farther if the Lord will open it up because there's still an understanding on justification that Brother Branham taught, that Paul taught, that we're not clear or is not clear to me. I'll put it that way. Of how it all blends together. But I'm looking at the revelation of justification as it come up through the ages of the body. That revelation decreased, decreased, decreased until right at the end, very few will understand the revelation that was the base was founded on. It's justification by faith all the way through.
Layer, 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 layer. And justification by faith is the key to what we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But now we call it being placed as sons. This message will identify you and place you as a son of God. That's the reason why you won't hear hardly any churches in this message preach like we used to have meetings of people needing to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You hardly ever hear a sermon on it anymore. That's either the same one or two things. Number one, they believe everybody in their church has the Holy Ghost. Or number two, they don't understand what it was, and they can't tell you how to receive it. But I have one question that I ask all the legalist preachers. Why are you preaching the law to people over and over for 30 years, trying to get them sanctified enough to receive the Holy Ghost? Because what they're telling you is this. You're not born again if you don't do this, 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 this. And they got their list. Therefore, tell me what I must do to be born again. Then we got this wise guy that says, well, I can't tell you what you're going to do because only seed can be born again. I said, then in other words, you're telling me that your congregation is not seed. And the only way that you can rule them is by laws, legalism, and rules. I told you 15 years ago that I filtered out of that. I'm going to teach you the Word as best I know how. And it's between you and the Word as to how it directs you, brings conduct in you. But I, I told you this, if you will follow the teaching and listen, and receive it the best you know how, that Word will slowly transform you and bring your mind to an understanding of who you are and set you free from the law, condemnation, preachers, uncles, nephews, or cousins. You ought to know who you are by revelation given to you. I'm here to help you, to teach you the best I know how. I'm not the smartest guy on the block, I'll tell you that. But God has given us a little bit, and He knows what level we all are, so He'll give it to us a word as we can receive it. But according to I understand, we're slowly walking in the Word, and by the evidence that I see, everyone in this building this morning has been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So recognize what you got and begin to use it. Because if you got the Holy Ghost, now you got a teacher. Let the teacher guide you into all truth. Let's sing a song. Hmm. Oh, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Don't be afraid. Just say that you know Him Because Take up your cross And fall And be free this morning Are you free in the Holy Ghost? Amen
follow Jesus. Oh, take up your cross every day. To say that you love Him. How many has a need in prayer this morning? We got people still out sick and different things, so we have many needs among us. But God is able. And like the prophet said, God likes to test your action by your reaction. Now, every one of us is saved, praise God. I ask God to heal me, and I believe He did, and I confess I'm healed, and I wake up sick the next day. Brother Bam said, God loves to test your reaction. See what you're going to do. He said, well, you said you wasn't healed, but he said you was. You was healed the minute you believe. But he checks your reaction to see if you'll hold on to it until it's manifested. Every one of you is born again if you'll open your mouth and confess that I have the Holy Ghost. How is it to receive the Holy Ghost? Just open your mouth and say, I receive the Holy Ghost. I receive the word of this hour. Help me and guide me, and I've done what you've asked me to do. Therefore, I'm in the body of Christ. Well, I'm not doing too good in the body of Christ. Then ask God to help you. Take this out of your life. Take this out of your life. Take this out of your life. Just take it out, Lord. Take it out, Lord. And when you get through the list of taking out, you've been in pretty good shape. Let him work on you. Well, what if I fall in a dish and do the same thing? Just ask him again. Keep confessing I'm delivered. I'm a child of God. And all these things are going to work out right. Amen. God bless you, brother. What's the... Blood test. Amen. Let me believe God's able. You believe by His stripes we were already healed. How many children of God do we have in here this morning? If we all unite our faith together, it's impossible for God not to answer us. Amen. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we hear this petition that has been set before you by the confession of the mouth. We know that you hear us because we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, and you hear our voice through that shed blood. We are now the righteous of God. We stand as righteous before you, as sinless before you. Therefore, we have the authority and the redemptive blessings and rights as sons and daughters of God because the check has already been signed in Jesus' name. Therefore, healing is ours. Redemption is ours. The spirit of life is ours. Therefore, we thank you for touching our sister, bringing the blood count up to as normal, and may the chemistry prove that you have touched this sister in the name of Jesus Christ and may she give you the glory and praise forever and may every person in this building be free from the fear, free from the disease and free from every satanic attack of our minds for we ask it in Jesus name and for his glory and everybody said amen. Amen. Amen.